Would you like to know a secret? What if I were to tell you that there are a whole pool of people with tons of experience waiting to work for you? In a time when the great resignation is rampant and quiet quitting is at an all-time high, wouldn't it be great if you could tap into a pool of people with work ethic out the wazoo? And that's what we're talking about today on Experience Leadership. Welcome to Experience Leadership, a podcast that challenges small business owners and entrepreneurs, just like you, to dare to be the exception. Join our host, customer experience expert, Mark Hain, as he uncovers relevant and timely content to help you script and direct your business and teams to create jaw-dropping experiences your customers and staff deserve. Here is the host of Experience Leadership, author of Lights, Camera, Action, customer experience expert, Mark Hain. Welcome to today's show. I am so glad that you're taking the biggest commodity you have, which is your time and sharing it with us. We hope I can deliver on that value for you. This is where small business owners and entrepreneurs pick up core skill sets to help them create the jaw-dropping, show-stopping experience that their customers and their employees deserve. I am your host, service expert and master of experiences, Mark Hain, and it is great to have you here. My guest for this episode is the amazing and the extremely funny David Guthrow. And today we will be talking about how you can leverage the power of experience within your business. So stay with us and we will uncover common myths about recruiting septuagenarians. Now, I challenge you that, you know, please write down how many times I mispronounced that word. (laughs) We are going to be talking about the myths about recruiting septuagenarians and we will give you some steps that you can take to tap into the wealth and knowledge that they bring. I should maybe just call them septues. That's it. We'll just call them septues. My, My one ask, is that if you know someone who could use this information, please share the link to this episode. There is a real skill shortage in virtually every industry, every organization as a consequence of COVID-19 and the subsequent outfall. One of those outfalls being that yesterday in the newspaper, they were saying that more baby boomers are retiring this year than have ever retired. And part of that is because COVID-19 showed them that they don't have to work anymore if they don't want to. But at the same time, there are many talented individuals who have been placed on the shelf by society because of their age. And it's not for lack of willing. So here I am, applying to be one of your interns, because the more I think about this idea, the more tremendous I think it is. I love the idea of having a place I can go every day. I want the connection, the excitement. I want to be challenged. And I guess I might even want to be needed. The tech stuff might take a bit to figure out. I had to call my nine-year-old grandson just to find out what a USB connector was. But I'll get there, eager to learn. Also, I want you to know I've been a company man all my life. I'm loyal, I'm trustworthy, and I'm good in a crisis. And I love that you're right here in Brooklyn. I've lived here all my life, and lately I feel I may not be hip enough to live in Brooklyn. So this could help with that too. I read once musicians don't retire. They stop when there's no more music in them. Well, I still have music in me. Absolutely positive about that. Looking at retired people to support businesses is a great opportunity to provide amazing economic value to those who are insightful enough to bring them on board while tapping into the experience that they bring. So this brings me to our question of the day. 
So what keeps you from hiring people in their 70s? I'd love for you to be part of this conversation. Why don't you go ahead, share this episode on your favorite social media platform, hashtag it, experience leadership, and let's have the discussion because, you know, there's some myths out there, there's some biases out there, and there's some really cool stories about hiring seniors or hiring retirees. You know, I am really excited to be joined today by David Guthrow. David is a sought-after consultant who is best known for his creative presentations, playful demeanor, and relentless focus on delivering value to his clients, colleagues, and of course, his community. David's experience comes from working with a plethora of organizations on all four continents. He's been in high-tech, biotech, government, and not-for-profit sectors. David, it is so great to have you on the show. Welcome. So good to be here, Mark. And I want that video. That's incredible. I love it. <laughs> you know, as we were talking to set up the show and stuff, it just kept popping in my head, the movie The Intern about, you know, and how out of place, you know, seniors can feel when they, if they do have the chance. But before we get into that, maybe you could start off by telling us a little bit about the focus of your current business. Well, I would say that 80% of my work is doing strategic planning of one sort or another. So across a, a broad range of industries, clients, different levels, things like that. And, you know, being more playful at work, being more creative, uh, planning intentionally, things like that. But it's usually working with groups and it could be groups of five or six or it could be multiple hundreds in person or online. So basically helping people have higher quality conversations so that hopefully they'll be more engaged, more likely to follow through in what they come up with. Wonderful. And so, you know, to your point now, I mean, this is a topic that we've never talked about on the show. This idea of hiring people who are actively retired, who kind of like that little video showed, have people who still have the music in them. Why is this such a passion point for you? Besides the fact that I'm 70 <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm going to very person, I never actually thought of my age until uh, until just this year. It's like, 70, that sounds kind of old. Certainly my 22-year-old daughter tells me that on a regular basis. But, you know, it, it occurred to me, I've, I've been talking to friends, colleagues, clients that want to keep working and are really frustrated that they're, they're as you said earlier, put on the shelf by society because of their age, not because of their competence. It's kind of, there's this this label. I guess another little piece is my, my wife, who's of an undetermined, I know exactly how old she is, but I can't say this, but she is a project manager for 30 years, doing amazing work, huge long resume, fabulous, you know, testimonials and things like that. And headhunters were approaching her, but she wasn't getting the jobs. And, you know, so she started shortening her resume. So it didn't look like she'd been doing it for 30 years and still she didn't get hired. So she finally got frustrated, went into something totally different, which she's loving, which is early childhood education. But it's that whole thing that, you know, ageism. And I'm not particularly here to, you know, bang the drum against ageism. Rather, I want to focus on the opportunity for people that are that are older. And so I'm personally connected to it. I think I'm doing some of my best work ever. I'd actually, the first thing I'd like to do is get rid of the word senior or retiree, right? Because, right? And senior, because there's no value attached to senior. You're an older, right? It's not like in an indigenous culture where elder actually has some value attached to it. It's not just about age. And just because you're older doesn't necessarily mean you're an elder. But I think as soon as we use the word senior, it creates an image or retiree, old person, nothing else else to do. And in many cases, they're not actually retiring from life and work. They're stopping doing what they were doing to do something else. So I'm blathering on. So that's that's my opening comment. 
so cool. You know, my mother pointed out she was reading an Agatha Christie novel or one of the novels that's written around those same times. And they were saying that, you know, the elderly gentleman of 58 hobbled down the street. And it's like, what? 58? That's so young. <laughs> it's like... Uh, but, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, I think one of the myths that are out there is that, you know, this idea of, you know, why should I hire people who are retired? Because they, I mean, they've already had, they've worked every day of their whole life. They've had a successful long career. Shouldn't they just stay happily retired? Isn't that what they want? Comments about that. I find that they absolutely don't. I, I was, you know, talking to a friend of mine who's an Anglican priest in Ontario. And based on the way I knew her from university, I'm surprised she got accepted for that role. But <laughs> she wants to keep doing what she loves, like going on the missions to Africa and, and things like that. But, well, you know, you probably don't want to do this or your health might be there. And yeah, it's just, it's really frustrating. And I think, I think there's a need to detach the label of senior or retiree from competence. Because to me, it's about competence. You know, you can be competent at 70 or 80 or 90, and I've got examples of that. And you could be incompetent at 40 or 50. So I think, you know, to hire someone should be based on their competence and not let these other things that are optics, whatever, shade your ability to look at them to see what they're actually capable of doing and how they can benefit your organization in a way that younger people cannot. Right. And, you know, when you think about that level of incompetence, I mean, you're, we are talking about that there are lifetimes of experience that we could be tapping into. People have been there, done that. They bought the T-shirt and why not tap into it? But, you know, to your point, I think that there's a lot of misinformation or mis myths about hiring the people who have retired, the people with the experience. Do, are, do you think that there's any huge myths that should be busted? Well, I think any of them around age should be busted. Right? Okay. So, you know, because, you know, there's biases around that. Like if you're older, therefore, and, and, and some biases may, perceptions may be accurate, but irrelevant. And I'll give you an example. I was talking to a friend of mine who's 65. She teaches at a local community college. She's concerned that she may not have much time left there for a couple of reasons. First of all, she sees that other people are being let go and they tend to be women and they tend to be older. Not cool. Then she went on to say, you know, I just can't learn software as quickly as these kids can. So I said, well, okay, let's stop for a minute. You know, what can you do that they can't do and focus on that? So, you know, you've got life experience, you've got broader context, you know that you don't have to respond to everything like that, because not everything's a crisis. You've got that you've got wisdom, you've got intuition, you've got better questions. A lot of things that you can't just teach someone younger, they have to go through that experience. So for people to start thinking about what they have to offer, regardless of their age, I think is really important. So that's for the person that's looking for the work, but also for people that want to hire folks and say, you know, what is it that they have that I don't have that my younger people don't have that will actually have some economic benefit? So I also want to say I'm not opposed to people retiring and doing nothing or traveling. If that's what they want to do, great. Yeah. However, if there's people that want to keep working and have a lot to offer, then they shouldn't be expected to have to do it for free because they're older or because they don't need it or because they have nothing better to do. I just think that's that's wrong. Yeah. Self-serving. Yes, of course it is. <laughs> well, it's only self-serving if somebody looks at you and you say, well, you're retired. Can't you just work for free? Then you say, well, no, let's talk about a paycheck. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll talk about value. Like what's what's the value it brings? Yeah. We've talked in past episodes about the fact that we can now have five distinct and different generations working with us. A lot of people would look at the fact that, oh, we've had older people working for us. You know, we had Bob who was with us for 25 years and he was such a pain because he didn't want to change. 
But we're not talking about that. We're talking about actually inviting new people into our business, not people who might have been stagnant or complacent over time. This idea of mixed generations, is this an opportunity or is this just another way of forcing conflict into the workplace? Well, I mean, I, I think it's an opportunity because they all have something to bring. I, I think part of the problem with all that is people start to get formulaic about this is what Gen Xs are looking for. This is Gen Y, this is Boomers. And, you know, and put them in a box and that's the lens that you look at them through. So, you know, I think that does create a problem. If you look at the person, the competence and what they bring, it's tougher to do because you're not responding to a category, you're responding to an individual. I think you're much more effective in being able to do that. So, you know, bring on the generations. Like I have said to some of my friends, I, I've been staying connected with some of my university pals through COVID, you know, every two or three weeks for the last couple of years. And I f totally forget what I was going to say. That's this is one of the problems with age, Mark, you know, and have so many things going on. Now, what was it going to say? What was the last thing I said before I started talking? Do you recall? <laughs> and this is where patience might come in. Yeah. Right. This is yes. where patience might come in. And it's the, the way that we have to adapt. But yeah, the you sent me on a dizzy now, too. And I'm only 61. I'm still a child compared to you. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what I'd like... Oh, yeah, I, know, I, know. I know what I was okay. going to say about last man standing. So, okay. you know, the group that I worked a lot in the credit union system, the ones I've had the most joy in working with are their, their category young leader, which means under 40. But the nice thing about the generations is that I know that I don't have to spend as much time assuaging, taking care of their ego. That, you know, they are keen to learn from each other as opposed to prove how much they know, which often happens when you get senior executives. So I want to work with those folks and share not not what I know, but the way that I think about things. What I know isn't necessarily transferable. It's not going to make them more successful. But if they can think about things differently, if they can look at a broader context, those are transferable. And I think really, really, really productive, and really healthy. So I don't find the generations for me, a problem. You know, whenever you come at anything from a position of curiosity, you're going to win. So whether it's, you know, listening to my wife talk about the kids she's working with that are three and four and I have some opinions on that. And a 22-year-old daughter, so I have opinions about those kinds of things. But I've learned to keep my opinions to myself. And when I ask questions, to ask questions based truly in curiosity, rather than trying to test something that I think I know by asking a leading question. Ah, yes, yes. But you also brought in this really great point that no matter which generation it is, it is all about competence and capability. And all too often, I think, as organizations, we drive that through this misguided approach that we need to have people tied to a job description. And because of that, we're judging based on some checklist of, you know, oh, well, you can use computers, check. You can adapt to new software, check, as opposed to what can you do that supersedes your job description that is of value? Well, and, you know, Jim Collins, in one of his books, talked about getting the right people on the bus, right, as opposed to getting the right person in the right seat, get them on the bus, right, and then see if there's opportunity. I mean, you want to check to make sure someone's malleable and can be open-minded and things like that. And, and give me an example where fellow who is my, my tutor in residence, the University of Waterloo, he and a number of his colleagues fought a human rights battle that they won overturning mandatory retirement for professors at age 70 because his he got great results from his students. He wanted to keep teaching, as did others. The problem is that when you have things like uh, like tenure, you can be incompetent at 50 and it's really hard to get rid of someone. 
So, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean because you're 70, you're competent or because you're 50, you're competent or that you're incompetent at any age. It really is about saying, what does this person have to bring that's of value to me? And how do I get them? And how do I get them coming to me instead of someone else? Yeah. And it's not just a condition of, oh, let's hire this person and let's have them standing at the door to greet everybody. People have more value than that. Yeah, it's not to fill a requirement for showing that you don't have ageism. That's, right. a, I think, a bad reason for doing it. Yeah. I'd love to get into some things we need to consider when we recruit older workers, and we'll get to that right after this. When the spotlight shines on your business, are customers applauding or yawning? In other words, how is your business performing? Make your business a star with a new book, Lights, Camera, Action, Business Operational Excellence Through the Lens of Live Theater by Mark Hain. Mark uses his business and acting experience to help you see your business like a live show so you can create a performance your customers will never forget. Buy Lights, Camera, Action today at your favorite online retailer or directly at markhain.com. 40 years at the phone book company, that is amazing, seriously. Okay, Benjamin. Now, I'm going to ask you one of our more telling questions for all of our interns, so I want you to, like, this is the one to really think about, okay, and, and take your time. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? When I'm 80. Yeah, sure. Yeah, whatever. Um, wait, did not realize you were 70. That's, uh, that question just doesn't work for you, does it? Should we just scratch that one and just move on? It's your call, Justin. Okay, that one's gone. You look great, by the way, so great. And you're clearly more than qualified for this job. You're actually like way overqualified and we were so impressed. You had great interviews, great video. You nailed it, Ben, congrats. You're an intern. <laughs> Welcome back. I'm speaking with David Guthrie and we are having a great conversation about hiring people who are older workers. And I just love that clip because it's, it's, this is specifically the thing we were talking about, about checkboxes about here's something that we have to make sure and we'll check the box without even thinking about who it is we're talking about. When you, we think about, you, you mentioned experience as one of the things that older employees can bring. What can older employees bring? What can they offer that really clever employees, you know, a fraction of their age can't easily duplicate? I made a list here, Mark, in okay. anticipation <laughs> of this question. There's a bunch of different things. First of all, patience, I think is huge. I think, uh, you know, the ability to ask questions, like I think as you get experience, I am less concerned. You know, I won't say that it doesn't matter to me what people think of me, but but it really doesn't. So I'm quite willing to ask the dumb questions and to ask further. I think a lot of younger people don't want to ask a question because they're afraid of looking stupid. I think you look stupid if you don't ask a question that you need the answer to. So I think the willingness to, to not have their ego front and center, I think is something that's huge. I think their ability to build relationships that aren't competitive. And maybe this is more a, a guy thing, but I find that a lot of men, when they're having a conversation with someone else, as well as being engaged in the conversation, they feel sometimes that they have to prove themselves that they're as good as, that they're, they're as smart as, and that doesn't work particularly well. And I think it doesn't work when a younger person is interviewing an older person and the younger person somehow feels that they have to prove that they have just as much to offer instead of truly being curious about the, the older person. So I think the ability to to have insights, it's kind of like, you know, the more experience you have, it's like there's this pool of experiences. And what we do is we stick our hand in this pool of experiences and bring it up. All these random connections come together. We can call that output insight or an idea or something like that. 
And if you only have five things in the pool, there's not a lot of things to jam together. If you have, you know, 40 or 50 years of work experience, you have a lot of things unconsciously that are in there that a problem comes up and you just kind of like start thinking about it and stick your hand through this pool of experiences and up comes something that no one else could possibly duplicate. I mean, not just a younger person, but any other person. So I think that wealth of experience is really helpful. I think experience in other industries. So having experience that translates from one industry to another could be with respect to building relationships, communication, managing, uh, creativity, things like that, that is really, really valuable. And the more industries you've worked in, probably the more of that that you're going to be bringing to the organization. So, you know, having a, a sense of this too will come to pass. You know, there's, I think, uh, and I'm sure you've seen these at your tender age of 61 mark, where there's the different management theory that comes up and all of a sudden it's really hot for about two years and then, oh, whatever happened to that? And so there's some organizations that have this knee-jerk response, we have to bring this in. And someone's been around for a while can say, okay, yes, and how long should we wait to see if it's gonna work? You know, what are some others that might do the same sort of thing? Are we doing this because it's a trend or because we really think it's gonna help our business? So asking those tougher questions. And I guess another one, is sometimes phrased as truth to power. So I don't care if I'm talking to a person on the line or a mid-manager or the CEO because they get status based on who they are and how they are, not on what their position is. 20 or 30 years ago, I would have gone, oh, you know, CEO, why is the CEO listening to me? Why is that person, this person, like, you know, working in financial services, this person's probably making five times more than I am. Oh, I'm not worthy and all that kind of stuff. Now. I don't care about that. I have some ideas to offer. Someone wants them, great. And just because you're the CEO or the mayor, this, that, and the other thing, you know, that tells me a little bit about your job, but not about you. And I'm more interested in you and how we can work together to help you be more successful. Yeah, you've just hit something on the nail, the nail on the head that's, I think, so ingrained into what we do. And I think, you know, what's interesting about this is we heard about the millennials and Gen Zs now coming into an work environment where this is no longer a condition. It's no longer that, you know, CEO says something. And, you know, as baby boomers, we had to, when the CEO said something, they told you to jump. You didn't ask why, you asked how high. But now the people, the younger people coming in are holding leaders accountable to the decisions and the requests that they're making to say, okay, but why do you want me to do this? What's my purpose to do this? And I think having older people also turning around and being able to use that level of patience and that inquisitiveness to be able to question that moving forward, I think, is is great. And, you know, the one thing, if anybody, ha if that those movie clips that I showed from the intern, if you haven't watched that movie, if you're interested in taking a look at that dynamic, cultural dynamic, do, go ahead. It's a funny movie, but my goodness, there's something quite real about how they portray the perceptions of older people within a working community and how they, you know, can really turn around a lot of times and just kind of marginalize older people because they think, okay, we're just going to blow past them at some point. Well, I've actually, it's a great movie. I've got it running in a separate screen on my monitor right now. Because so <laughs> I'm multitasking, you know, my middle name is multitasking. So another thing that occurred to me, and you said that, Mark, and, and that when I was growing up, there was sort of the phrase, you should respect your elders, yes. right? And all it meant in that case was your respect your olders. And now kids are saying, why? Right. So it's not about the fact that you're older is nothing to me. Right. It's, you know, maybe it'd be nice if they're more polite, but you now people get annoyed when kids or younger people ask questions. Well, they're trying to figure things out. Why wouldn't you want them to have that answer to be successful? So it's, you know, 
age, so it kind of works both ways. You know, age doesn't mean that you don't have anything left to value. And age also doesn't mean you automatically have something to value of value just because of your age. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. But personally, I'd rather, again, we were talking previously about focus on competence and what value you bring to that person and the relationship that's so important. And how, when you're interviewing someone, you ask questions about that. Like, don't ask them, so, you know, tell me a little bit about your work experience over the last 50 years. Give me a break. Like, what is it that you have that you've learned over those years that you think is going to help our organization? And if the person can't answer that, then they're probably not a good candidate. But it's not how long you've worked, it's how well. Like, I've heard people say that as managers, some managers have uh, 20 years experience in 20 years. Other managers have one year experience 20 times because they don't learn from it. Right. So, you know, what have you learned as you've, uh, you've grown that we can benefit from? That's brilliant. What other considerations should we be considering when we recruit septuagenarians? I'm going to get the word right at some point. I mean, I'm not a human rights guy, Mark, so I'm not sure how to respond to this. But just like you're not supposed to be asking women, so are you planning to have a family? Like, you know, if you want your head knocked off, you can do that. But at, at age, sometimes people wonder, you know, how long are you going to be around? Like, is this going to be five years, 10 years? How much longer do you want to work? is one of those questions. And I, you know, I as a hiring person should be asking, how long do I want you to be contributing rather than the other way around? Now there's health issues. In the last couple of weeks, I've had spouses of really good friends pass away, right? And that's, you can't guarantee I'm gonna be healthy. I plan to live to 115, that's my plan. You know, the universe may have an, another piece of that, but you know, I don't think it's appropriate or even legal to say, so do you have any life-threatening diseases? Are you right. living with any chronic illnesses and things like that? But I'm sure that's going through someone's mind who's younger, right? Because their parents might have gone through that. They might have had cancer, they might have had a heart attack, high blood pressure. So, you know, you know, focus on the competence. What's the here and, and now? And sometimes having person as a contractor provide advice is much better than hiring them as an employee. It's how do I get the capacity that they have into my organization in a way that works for both of us? It's what's the best way to squeeze this orange? <laughs> yeah, Without it being as violent, perhaps. Uh, yeah. But to your point, you know, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about this, this idea of people coming on board. You mentioned about, you know, will people be, I think one of the fears is, oh, well, you know, we want to hire people who's going to be with us for a while. And, you know, if you're 70, how many more years do you have left? Maybe five? Well, the average retention rate, the average retention rate right now is like 3.4 years. Anyway, this is a, a generally in the population. We don't retain, we're not retaining people for 15 or 20 years anymore. So having, being able to hire somebody who's 70, and if the intent is, yeah, you know what, I want to work for another five or six years, chances are you're going to have more employees turning over. <laughs> if he stays with you the six years, you're going to have more employees turning over in that time frame anyway, who aren't people who are elderly or older or aged or experienced. <laughs> I was uh, helping an organization with some of their plans around succession for the executive director last night. Yeah. And he's been part of the organization for 40 years. And people are saying, so, you know, we, we need to find a time when we're going to transition to a new executive director. How long do you want to be working? And, you know, the, the conversation was that's actually not a useful question because most people that want to work say, as long as I can remain relevant, provide value and enjoy what I'm doing. So I find that older people, if they're not enjoying it, they're not going to do it. Just, you know, I could just hit myself over the head. I don't need to go work for a place I'm going to get beat up on. 
but I think those those factors become important. So it's how well do you want to work as opposed to how many more years? Because who knows? Who knows? At this age or at any stage, for that matter. Well, I think that question is valid for any of the five generations. As long as people feel like they're a contributing aspect to the business and that they're valued, they'll stay as long as, as that, that is the case. It's when people don't feel valued or don't feel like they're contributing. That's when they're looking in the phone book. Oh, the Google, not phone book anymore. Damn it. So one of the things that I want to do, Mark, and I may get your help on this because you're brilliant at this podcasting, is do a, a podcast. And the project I'm working on I'm calling 70 Over 70. So 70 people that are over 70 that are still working, still have lots to contribute, whatever they're doing. My daughter says, you know, why don't you just do 60 over 60? Then you don't need to find as many people. I said, it's, it's really not the point. That doesn't serve me quite as well. But I'll give you some examples of people that uh, I look at and I look up to. So one is um, he's 88. And when I was talking to him, his plan is to hold Anna's 90th birthday. He did something similar as 80th birthday. But on his 90th birthday, he wants to arrange for a celebration of what he calls global renaissance leadership. He's planning two years ahead what he's going to do at 90. Huge event. Another guy I was talking to when I first met him, he is the CFO of uh, an oil company. He retired. Went to be the CFO of a mining company. Retired. Went to be start up his own organization, you know, testing out uh, the proof of concept for tidal power. He's 80 years old still going strong. Someone that I work with regularly has developed a thinking system model, 75 years old, selling it all over North America, doing amazing work. Whether he's selling his product or not, he's got so much wisdom and so much that he can offer. Like the pool, there's i uh, I'm just going to stray a little bit here. So there's all kinds of people in society that contribute to the economy, but don't get counted in the GDP. So things like stay-at-home parents, nannies, right, that don't get measured, but they enable other things to happen. And I think there's this pool of untapped uh, wisdom and uh, economic capacity of people that are older that still have a lot to contribute. And it's uh, like, I think if we were to tap into that society, like if, if there was a, an employment agency that only worked with people that are 70 and over, and I've seen a couple of sites that say they do that, but it, it's not really clear that they do it. The only con- criteria that's not 70 or over, 70 incompetent, you know, and over, like that would be huge to tap into. You know, I was working with one regulator where they brought back in someone who'd retired from a a high-tech company to actually look after governance and things like that. He's quite a bit older than I am, but he's got lots to offer. So I just, you know, I feel the potential that's better for our country if people were to look at this resource not as something that has to be tolerated or has to be put up with or has to tick a box. And it's it's the economic waste that really concerns me. Ageism, yes, there's lots of people looking into that. How do we stop that? I look, what's the lost opportunity that these people have? Yes, yes. Does it sound like I care about this, Mark? It does. And, and I'm so glad you do because I think it's brilliant. It comes across in spades. You know, you're talking about this this project you'd like to work on and stuff. How can people get in touch with you? A, if they think that your podcast idea is great and they have somebody that they want to refer to, or that they're in an organization and they want to be able to tap into some of your knowledge to figure out how they can make this happen. Best is through my website, at which is www.davidguthrow.com, G-O-U-T-H-R-O. I'm sure you'll have it on your uh, site. Or to email, email me. That, that seems to still work these days, you know? <laughs> If you want to send me an Instagram note or Slack or whatever else, go for it. But email and my website are the, are the best ways. I realize they're traditional. You don't have a fax number? 
yeah. I, I, uh, I, I do. It's not the I, I think I raced it on all my business cards. Oh, yes, I use business cards as well. <laughs> or LinkedIn. You know, we, I, at the very beginning, I talked a little bit about um, some myths, but biases of older employees. Mm-hmm. Where do some of this come from? How, how can we set them aside so that we can create a more positive relationship with our older employees? You know, that I think that's it's really tough to do because a lot of biases are hard fought for. And I think in some cases it's because, you know, we've the people have the experience of their parents. You know, it used to be like when my dad was working, you retired at, you know, at a certain age and then maybe you consulted a bit, but that was it. So there's a lot of models of people that say, you know, when you're a certain age, this is what you do, retire. So, you know, part of it is to, first of all, get people to think about perhaps I have some biases. Where do those biases come from? And what do I need to do to not let them get in the way of me being effective and helping our organization be effective? So there's so many biases, but I think having the conversations about it is the first part. You know, sometimes interviewing the interviewers to find out what their biases are is really important. When I was a young lad, they actually, at the time, I don't remember them having courses in human resources. Like you couldn't get a degree in human resources. Now there's all kinds of those. So you have young people who've gone through you know, school and have been trained in different aspects of, of human resources. But they're also a lot younger than people that used to do the hiring. And these are quite often, especially in high tech, that you have to deal with. So I'm not sure. So this is a little bit bold, but I think if you are older, a septuagenarian, plus, 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 and are being interviewed, you know, hopefully it's because you want the job, not because you need it. So I think asking the interviewers is a really good question. So before, because you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. So for example, so who's the oldest person that you're hired in this organization so far? You know, what are your thoughts about older people in general? And just, you know, rather than having them unconsciously make it an issue, bring it up. Say, because I'm here, because I think I have, I have something to offer, and it's helpful to know what your views are. I don't want to waste your time, and I don't want to waste my time. So I think asking more questions of the interviewer, because you don't need the work, it's because you want the work. And I personally, I think that puts you in a position of power and influence. I have to say that for 25 years, I've always said I would rather hire somebody who wants to work than somebody who needs to work. And I don't care if you're 70 or 17. I'm always looking for wh- why is it that you want to work here? What do you want to do? And if they turn around and say, well, because I need a paycheck, unfortunately, that's not motivation enough for me to turn around and hire you. So, so yeah, I think that works just regardless. To, yeah. And walk away. I'd love to get into some considerations about actually working with the older generations. And we'll get to that right after this. Attention, meeting and event planners. Is your company or association planning a live or virtual conference, seminar, staff retreat? Are you looking for a fresh, energetic perspective on what it takes to put on a jaw-dropping experience for your customers or staff? Book customer experience expert Mark Hain for your next group event. Past participants have said, Mark kept us in stitches while teaching us how important and powerful actually designing our customer experience can be. Read more testimonials and find out how Mark can serve you and your group at markhain.com. That's M-A-R-C-H-A-I-N-E.com. As you can tell, David and I are passionate about helping entrepreneurs and business managers just like you. If you belong to an industry association or an organization that is planning a leadership retreat or a conference and you feel that we could be of service, 
feel free to drop us a line or even a connection request. Our connection notifications and our details are all in the show notes, so feel free to reach out. If you are just tuning in, I am speaking with the incredible David Guthrow. We've been having nothing but a bunch of giggles, as we typically do when David and I get together. David, just for funsies, hiring retirees is like squeezing stress balls because... Well, I can't answer that question, Mark, because I said we have to stop using the time retiree, the term <laughs> retiree or senior. You so you could ask that question a little bit differently. I'll do my best to respond. Okay, then. Hiring older people is like comforting squeezy balls because... Because there's some resistance, but not too much. You know, there's some pressure. There's some give and take. There's some resilience. Things bounce back. I think that uh, there's many different uses for that ball. I mean, it can be used just for reducing stress. So having someone as an advisor can reduce your stress to help you guide you through some tough times. You know, if you need to release energy, you can throw something. And that's like throwing that person at a problem that you think they can solve. I, I could go on. How much time do I have? Didn't I say he was brilliant? Didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> we talked about compensation, right? You know, we want to make absolutely sure that they are fairly compensated. What are some of the other cautionaries we should have and, and considerations we should have when hiring and working with the older generations? Well, you know, and... Again, it's tough to answer that because there's a lot of variability within the older generation. So there's some people that are quite happy, you know, they get up at five in the morning and they're quite happy to work till midnight because that's what they've always done. There's others that uh, won't do that because, you know, their life, life balance is important, which by the way is happening to a lot of younger people as well. So don't work my finger. I don't live to work. I work to live. No, it's the opposite, right? <laughs> that these days. So understanding those, those differences, I think is, is really important. I think, you know, I don't think it's any different from anyone else, Mark. If someone says something, to be curious and respect their opinion, don't necessarily have to agree with it, but let them know that you've heard it. Because otherwise, you know, why ask? And I, I'd say that's the same for any employee, you know, to understand that they may have, well, like in, in that uh, video, he had grandkids. So there's grandkids and, and there's other life experiences and things like that. And... Yeah, I, you know, I don't think it's a whole lot different than what you have to pay attention to for anyone, just that it may be magnified because there's other issues that come into play. Like when you're 70, you're more likely to have to go to a funeral. When you're 30 or 40, you're more likely to have to go to a, a wedding or a shower or things like that. So it's, it's all different events that come up, but to understand that those, those events are different and of importance to that person. So... I think that where COVID really, I think, helped us out now, especially with this idea that we've gone from work-life balance to work-life integration, is really, if I would suggest that this is the perfect time to bring older employees in, because we are now generating cultures where we're listening to the inputs of people and adjusting our workplaces to be able to have that work-life integration at a higher level than we've ever had. Yeah, I totally agree. And and part of the about coming back into work is I'm just thinking about this, Mark, that most of the people that I know are older that want to keep working, they don't want to work in isolation by themselves. I mean, as we know, that's an issue for older people through COVID-19, the loneliness yeah. and things like that, that they actually want to be connecting with people. And it's not that they can't use the technology. They're very comfortable with it, but they actually like the face-to-face. -face. And for many organizations where people are, you know, trying to figure out the hybrid workforce, I think giving them an opportunity to be with other people is helpful on, on many different levels. Yeah, yeah. I had a conversation last week with a younger person and 
I said I was 61. And she's, she's like, oh, you're 61. So then you're not really good with technology then. And I said, what are you talking about? I'm 61. We invented the technology. <laughs> but it's funny that it's like, are you kidding me? I love tech. And there's lots of seniors out there who, but to your point then, it comes back to capacity and competence. And so yeah. I think if anything, if, if anybody watching this is going to take away one thing is derive your processes through capacity and competence. And, you know, as it turns out, after this, I'm going to do half of a lecture and a change management course at Capilano University. And so I guarantee that I'm probably at least three times older than a lot of folks in there. And one of the questions that they posed is, so, you know, what do you need to know about uh, change as an older person? Like, they haven't asked me that because they don't know how old I am. And I'll be darned if I'm telling them. I'm going to say I'm 43, but I haven't aged well. But, you know, I'm going to be saying that as you get older, it doesn't necessarily mean you're better at responding to change or worse at responding to change because it depends on your experience. You know, I think probably the older you get, you've in all likelihood gone through more changes and you know that you're going to survive them, right? But I'm quite looking forward to working with this, this younger group and all these questions that they're posing about change. Yeah. This has been a brilliant conversation, David. I can't thank you enough for hanging out with us. Do you have any last thoughts about what we're talking about today? Well, you know, I think there's two different audiences for this, Mark. And one is for those that are thinking of hiring older people. And another is for older people that are wondering if they still have something to give. And I'd say that there's lots to give. There's lots to get. And that I do think that being fair to people based on their competence and their contribution rather than their age is really important to figure out. Wonderful. David, thank you so much for sharing your passion. It's your small passion. I should say your little bit of passion. You know, kind of the little thoughts you've had about this. No, the huge passion that you brought with you today. And of course, your expertise. Could you just remind everybody one more time how they can get a hold of you? Yes. Well, LinkedIn, my name is, da well, as you can see, it's spelled <laughs> G-O-U-T-H-R-S-O. So it's www.davidgothrow.com or LinkedIn by my name. There's not too many others of me out there. And you can certainly email, call. Okay, telephones. I still use tell. I know, I know. 604-218-2877. Do I have time for a quick funny story? Sure. Okay, it's not that funny, but it'll be quick. So I was doing some work with a, an IT group for an oil company over in the UK. And one of the things we were doing is having everyone talk about when something's important, what communication method to use to escalate it. And the head of this group said, call me. And everyone went, but this is technology, like not, not Slack or email or something like that. I said, I get tons of those. If it's important, call me. Right. So it's different for everybody. Yes. Right. And we just happen to be talking about septuagenarians and up. But I think a lot of the principles we talked about apply to everybody. But don't let your biases and perhaps previous experiences get in the way of considering someone who probably has a lot to offer and would do so with great joy. David, you've been brilliant. Thank you so much for all of this. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Mark. Why don't you let me know if this was of value to you? As always, my offer stands. If you would like 30 minutes of my time to brainstorm your business with you and your team, feel free to book yourself on my online calendar. The link is in the show notes. It's the one that's marked meetwith.markhain.com. It would be my absolute honor for me to be of service to you. And why don't you go ahead and leave a comment or a re review about this episode? I'd love to get your feedback. Was this of value to you? Did you learn anything? Did you giggle just a little bit? My name is Mark Hain. I hope you stay safe. I hope you stay healthy. And I hope you dare to be the exception. Mm -hmm.
Thank you for joining us this week on Experience Leadership. Make sure you visit markhane.com for a full directory of available episodes. While you're at it, if you found today's content valuable, please share it and tell your friends about the show. As Mark says, knowledge is power, but only if you share it. Be sure to tune in each week for the newest episode. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception. Thank you.